All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this special inauguration day, People's Party special of the Annalise Show. I am your host, Annalise Garcia. Uh, we have an amazing show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the next four years, um, what Biden uh, could or, or, or may not do during those four years, best and worst case scenario. We're going to be talking about the People's Party and what the plan for the next four years for that is. So we have an amazing show for you guys today. And we've got quite a few guests. So we're going to be having Nick Brana, Chris Smalls, and Graham Elwood come on. But right now, we are starting with my favorite guest. <laughs> she is a comedian. She is a regular contributor and the executive producer of the Jimmy Dore Show, and she's a friend of the Annalise Show. Please welcome the amazing Steph Zamorano. Steph, how are you? I'm great, Annalise. It's great to be here. And um, I don't think I would have known today was uh, inauguration if it weren't <laughs> for you. <laughs> You're you know, welcome. My me that it's coming like isn't it in the actually here today and um i'm happy to uh, celebrate this momentous occasion of all my disappointments coming together in the first day of joe biden's presidency and just come on i mean i thought it was weird saying president trump right president biden if you look at where we were a year ago and where he was a year ago, it is unfathomable that today is his day. And I don't know if you caught him. He was um, he was on the road, was it yesterday? And he was giving a speech and he teared up during the speech and he was just like so touched by everybody. And I, I thought bummer that he can shed tears for himself but doesn't have the awareness of the gravity of suffering that's happening all around us but he could feel that pain and compassion and sentimentality for his own life of privilege so that was just, you know, I saw that yesterday and it just, I don't know if you caught that, but it really, to me, I, I'm probably, you know, I'm probably the worst person in the world right now for saying that too. Probably no. just like, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm saying something awful that somehow is going to come back to haunt me. No, so. you, know, you know what, you know what it is, is that the reason why we almost didn't notice what today was, was because it's not an exciting moment. It's not an exciting moment. This is supposed to be a day of, you know, hope and renewal and, you know, looking forward to the future. And the truth is we're in the middle of a crisis and he's already going back on the first basic thing that he promised, which was a $2,000 check. That's now 1400 because we didn't read the fine print. And, um, you know, it's already starting off on a bad note. He, we already know that he's not going to do anything substantial to move our country forward. And there's a lot of concern already because all of these amazing things that he says that he's going to do after in his first hundred days, he's already talking about doing it through bipartisanship instead of just getting it through since you have the House, the Senate, and the White House. So, I mean, 
from your perspective, do, do you think that he's actually going to push for all of these things that he says he's going to do? Or do you think that they're somehow going to find a way to still not give us help despite having a supermajority? Okay, well, I don't know if you you know this, but Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and Pence all attended church services with Joe Biden before the inauguration. And so I think now America knows we are, we are, we're together in a, <laughs> the house of the Lord. And they're already reaching across the aisle to unite this country that was so devastated and divided by President Trump. Um, I, I think, of course, they're going to get so much done in the first 100 days. It is obvious. I mean, now they have Mitch McConnell on their side now. <laughs> Because Mitch, I mean, did you see that picture yesterday with Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer? Chuck Schumer smiling. Like, what the fuck smiling. are you laughing about? And you know what's interesting is no Democrat is talking about Medicare for all. No Democrat is talking for Medicare for all. And certainly Mitch McConnell is going to talk about Medicare for all. And so I think what we will see, it will be a bipartisan screwing of the people some more. Yeah. And they were talking about the last time we had this type of leverage in the White House, um, you know, gave an expansion to uh, restricting our civil liberties. So right after 9-11, they all came together yeah. to restrict our civil liberties. They all came together. And so I think they will, I mean, we're already seeing just tones of the idea of censorship and squashing dissenting voices. I mean, personally, you know, the people that uh, were at the Capitol two weeks ago, that what they were doing is startling. It, it's, um, it's so provocative. And what they've decided to do about those people would be shut them down from all access to social media. And they think that squelching that voice and censoring these dissenting voices, no matter how ugly or vile or whatever they're saying, I'd rather hear about it. I'd rather be able to have it available for me Let's just say, just as a sociologist, um, that I would like to know the sociology of these people. I don't understand how there's not actually a position in the White House right. that is like the czar of sociology. That's a great- And how you meet the needs of the people, because we are in extraordinary circumstances right now, and that we don't have somebody that is a consultant about what's happening. Instead, we have voices like AOC and Rokana, who have both come out for different levels of censorship on different platforms. And I think- um, I think it is a, it's a, a toxic time when supposed liberals on all spectrum of that liberal world are crying out 
for censorship with an excuse of they're mean, with an excuse of I was bullied when I was younger, with the excuse of I don't want to hear what they have to say. They're awful. And I am better than you. You know, I don't, you know, there's so many of these irrational voices or you get these, you know, these academics that go, well, if you would recognize the nefariousness of parlor and that you let these come on, you know, what's nefarious? You pretending you have an idea that is, that is in lockstep with the laws and amendments that we already have in place. We already have these things in place. And uh, Jimmy Dore showed yesterday a clip from Noam Chomsky communicating that to a student at, a, at a, an event he was speaking at and communicated that even the people you don't wanna hear the things they're saying, it's still, you need to have this freedom of speech. Come on, I, it's, um, you know, we, we talked before the show about uh, these, you know, the people, you know, it was Brian Steltler's show on um, CNN speaking to Alex Stamos, I believe, and Alex Stamos, who was the chief cybersecurity expert at Facebook and stepped down. Now he's doing his own cybersecurity firm. And he was out there the other day sharing how we must really consider that there are voices on the internet get larger viewing audiences than CNN right now. And we need to be worried about that. Yeah. Well, commercial television networks, commercial networks, networks are going to compete with independent voices. And this guy is going, let's squash them. Let's squash them. No wonder the guy is having a cybersecurity firm. He wants to squash everybody. What kind of money is that guy going to make? That, that is, um, and of course, he's in lockstep with the oligarchs who would prefer dissenting voices to be shut down. And yeah. so like, uh, yes, uh, maybe you don't agree with the politics of certain folks, um, but you don't want to hear what they're thinking? Right. Yeah, it's really scary. I, we were talking about that before the show, like you said, and it was really scary to hear CNN just come out and say, uh, you know, there are people watching independent YouTube shows more than CNN and that's a problem. <laughs> and we really, we really got to crack down on that because uh, otherwise people might actually get the information that they're looking for. Um, so that was just insane for me. And I want to get further into that censorship and what that looks like and how that's definitely coming back to bite us in the ass. Um, but first, we've got another one of our guests here that just arrived. Everybody, he is the founder of the Congress of Essential Workers, also known as the Amazon guy, <laughs> which uh, which we all love. Please welcome friend, friend of the show, Chris Malls. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no this. problem. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. And Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. <laughs> is it is I know. it I know. Like, what is, what is already you know we got up to yeah <laughs> so, so chris we were actually just talking i don't know if you saw this clip but there's a clip going around 
um, of CNN talking about how it's a problem that independent YouTube channels have more viewers than CNN and how we need to really start censoring people. Um, so do you want to, you know, jump in in this and talk about, you know, this, this, this censorship that the left has been pushing lately, which I think is really dangerous and it's going to come back around to hurt us. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is dangerous. It's already, um, they're trying to weaponize it and that's not what it's for, you know, um, I've, I've been a victim of it uh, plenty of times already in my short period of activism. So I know what it's like to be censored by these tech companies and these billionaires. And they're the ones that's really gonna have the power if they allow these you know, platforms like Facebook and Instagram to start censoring people. And um, whether it's the right or wrong, you know, freedom of speech is freedom of speech. So um, it's, 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 it's bad that CNN shouldn't even be trying to compare themselves, you know, media is media no matter what, but uh, we need our own media. The working class need our own media. And so yes. what, if we're coming to our media for the truth, then so be it. They have to, maybe if they start saying some things as actual facts, then we'll go back to that. But I, you know, it's not where we at right now. You know, I want to jump in really quickly because Christian, it's always great to see you. And, you know, yes. I, I love you. It's so wonderful that such a, a young man has such strength. Um, but I want to ask both of you, maybe it's a tough question, but um, where did you get your credentials for being an activist? Did you have to apply through an agency to become a young activist? Because I've been challenged frequently that I don't have the proper credentials. So I know, I, I don't know. Did you get them? Did I don't know where you get your activism credentials. I want to see the forms you filled out. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, as I sit here with no college degree um, from no accredited school and being the person who I am. I graduated from the school of hard knocks. Have you ever heard of that? That's where I got my, that's where I got my credentials from uh, growing up a black man in this country. And that's it, you know, same goes for you. It doesn't matter, you know, there's no type of credentials. There is none. It's a, the revolution starts within yourself, you know? So that's where it starts for everybody that goes out there. The revolution starts within yourself and um, I wasn't no organizer or activist before uh, everything happened to me. You know, I had to learn it. I'm still learning. I'm a rookie. I'm an amateur. And for me to have the progress that I have, it's just a blessing. You know, I, I didn't do this alone. And I'm just using that strength and that motivation to continue going. You know, that's what I'm doing. So, you know, people got to get off of that that high horse that, you know, we're better than one another. We, we all in the same boat. I, I just don't get it. You know, and this window of opportunity for all of us to step up to the plate and, and make some change in this country is now. I don't know what a better time will be than the midst of a pandemic. So, you know, I just say, you know, for those people out there, you know, don't even respond and ignore it. We have to just continue to stay resilient. Yes, yes, and stay together. Certainly we're staying together. Unite with Steph Zamorano. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. Unite. I mean, it is all about uniting. And like you were saying, Chris, it was so interesting that you point out, like, we need like a working class network that yes. is responding to the, the real concerns of our homes. Yeah, I'd rather watch both of y'all shows than, than the CNN. And that's how it works. <laughs> 
um, that's how I, that's how it is now. As of late, you know, I, I tune in the podcast, you know, I'm actually about to launch my own. So, you know, stay tuned for that as well. You know, this is what we I am so looking forward to that. I saw you say that on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Please let us know as soon as that's up, because I am so listening and I what an important on. voice. What yeah, an important yeah. voice for people to listen, you know, and and how to help organize with that. That's exactly what it's going. It's going to be all inclusive, and it's, it's actually uh, it's going to be female led because I have three female hosts, and it's going to be something different, you know, something sounds that like trouble. Hey, <laughs> no, not for me. I mean, you know, we we've been bonding, and I've known them for a while, and they. Uh, even behind the scenes, they they helped me out with organizing, and now they're willing to you know put themselves on the line as well. So they want to be out you know out in the eye, in the public eye, and I think they are, they got great personalities. So I think it's going to be a successful you know show. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Well, uh, I would say too, Christian, if you ever need any kind of like if if the Jimmy Dore show can help. You know, like as far as um, like if you need technical, you know, it, you don't have to learn everything from scratch. Sometimes like if you want to like talk to anybody about that tech stuff or I'm sure your team has it under control. And Elise, you also do a great show, too, where you have that dynamic where you're speaking and also you can put stuff up. I don't know how to do that. And I was like, I got to ask her. I want to share your screen. That. So if you look at the bottom of Zoom, of Zoom, yes. there's a green button that says share screen and you can share different screens. Uh, so do you are you using another monitor when you share no. your screen no you just like if you have different windows up you can just choose which one i'm gonna learn I how can, to do i can that. show you later if you want it's really mm -hmm. easy um yeah but so steph let me ask you talking about censorship and independent media something oh, wait, no, i'm gonna interrupt you because i'm gonna ask because we're all brown people here right now okay <laughs> I'm going to ask you the brown person question, okay? And I asked, uh, I asked Annalise this earlier, but, you know, um, did either one of you have a feeling of pride or any sense of, okay, we got a little further here in the political stratosphere, having Kamala Harris as vice president? Did that do anything to you? I don't care what your answer is. I'm fine. I'm just curious. So my answer to that was, I can acknowledge that it's historic, but do I feel pride? No, because I know who she is. So while I can acknowledge the historic nature of it, sh her as a person, she's not a good person. So no, I don't feel pride that she's my VP. Yeah, I uh, definitely have mixed feelings about it. You know, uh, it is a, a milestone for, you know, uh, women of color in this country to get to, you know, one of the highest positions of power. Uh, definitely acknowledge that, but um, I agree. You know, <laughs> she she came from a, a background that's not too clean, and um, I'm not too sure that I can hold you know my faith in what she's going to do for this country. So I'm just I feel the same way I felt yesterday. You know, the way I look at today's events, and I I feel the same way I felt when the ball dropped on New Year's Eve. <laughs> you know, it's like you know every year everybody think that it's going to change just by it being the next day or the next year. But um, no, I feel like we're going to still have an uphill climb and a, a very hard battle to get to where we need to be in this country. Yeah. that's so Yes. Funny. And you know, it, you know, and we have to make sure that people aren't using those identity politics to keep us away from challenging them. 
and pushing them towards, you know, forcing the vote for Medicare for all, forcing the vote for a guaranteed income, forcing a vote to, you know, I, I, I'm curious, you know, how this is going to work out being that Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are all smiling about being now uh, uh, teaming together to get legislation passed. And it's like, what changed? Right. I'm about to say bipartisanship. What? That's the same shit they've been like, using. Was it just like two or three senators or, you know, representatives? Is that what changed? But you think Mitch McConnell would do the same if the makeup was flipped the other way, if the, not, the majority were Republicans? You think he would go, hey, Chuck, let's go ahead and share this. <laughs> let's work See, together. It just seems to me that it was, you know, Democrats or Republican liked. And, you know, that's the problem right now that we in is that, you know, they, this, uh, the, the president, the former president was so terrible. You know, we, we, we got Joe Biden now and Joe Biden feels, you know, this man has won the most historical presidency in history, right? Modern day history. So he feels like the savior right now. He feels like he's going to be the one to just swoop in and get all the Republicans to work together. That's how he feels. He really feels like that. He feels like he's, he has you know, the, the character to change everybody's feelings about what's going on in this country. And it's just going to happen. And he's done so much for us, you know, um, it's just not the reality of the situation. And, and we got to make sure that we hold everything he does accountable. And starting today, I seen Bernie out there with a manila folder. And that's what I respect. The fact that he probably going to deliver some bills to his table tonight. Like, listen, brother. Uh, yeah, I understand. We ain't got no time to waste. So I, that's why I respect the people that's going to be fighting for us. Yeah, I think one, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have independent media right now. And that was what I was going to ask you, Steph, was something that I'm curious about is what is the hardest part of doing what you do? <laughs> Curling my hair. <laughs> that I'm presentable. That would have to be... You know, I have the light work here at, at, you know, we have a couple executives and Jimmy Dore the, lifts the heavyweight of examining the stories and uh, really breaking the stories down. And I think, you know, getting the story, you know, we don't do this. We're not, in, we're, um, we talk about the news. Uh, we're a different type of show. We, you know, the, the, the show idea is Jimmy Dore has something to say. Let's talk about these issues that seem to be hitting hard in most American lives. Healthcare, a jobs program. I mean, where are these? Where, where was Obama with a jobs program? Where was Obama with healthcare? How did it come we didn't get universal healthcare? I was in a union. When you get you get the, the more people you have buying the healthcare plan, the cheaper the healthcare plan is supposed to be. So why doesn't America just buy one big healthcare plan? How come that can't happen? When was Obama in office? So the idea that Jimmy's show is about communicating ideas that, that are important, that resonate with my neighbors, my family members. Um, that was what is what directs us. We also are, you know, from comedy, you know, our sensibilities are different. You know, we can't, I mean, the minute, the minute I 
uh, try to conform to look like a woman on Fox or a woman on CNN or a woman on MSNBC, the minute I'm conforming to that image, anything that makes us conform to that image. And Jimmy's great about reminding uh, the team of that. We're, we are a different breed and that's what they're afraid of. The different breed that's not in lockstep with the power structure. And we're not in lockstep with the power structure. And you know why we know this is because force the vote really created chaos for elected officials. And what they wanted to do with this type of show is they wanted to demonize passion. They want to demonize language, which leads to AOC saying, hey, you know what? We need to reconsider these people with these platforms and having this freedom to say these things. So do we? Who, who's we? Who's we? You're afraid of the mirror that we're holding up to your face. And that's what we do here at the Jimmy Dore Show. So I don't think that's the hard part. I think the challenging part are the um, bad faith players. Jimmy did a, uh, a wonderful guest spot on Tucker Carlson and just using Tucker's name in a sentence makes people just want to lose their shit. And that the, uh, the media corporations have worked really hard to divide us. They're working really hard to demonize a group of Americans. Now, if I said to you, instead of calling them Trumpers, I said, look at all those Mexicans. Look at look what those Mexicans are doing. We would all go, what? Yeah. So why are we diminishing a whole group of people? Whether or not I agree with them or what they did, I cannot in this show, I think it's threatening that this show wants to unite people th through a third party. I think that's what's the threatening part. I think the threatening part is actually having solutions. Yeah. And so you can all have all these dimwits who went to Ivy, Ivy League kindergartens. I mean, that's <laughs> where they've been all their lives, right? You're like, did you fill out the form correctly? Do your parents have a permanent dress? Do your parents, can they afford 30 grand a year? 30 grand a year, they'd go, that's not enough. We're sending our kid to the wrong school. People are paying 40 grand a year for their kid to go to an elementary school, for a kid to go to a middle school, to a kid to go, so they make sure that they can fit in to the, the power structure. So um, I went to public school. I taught in public school. I went to a Fullerton College and I, I loved it. And when I went to college, it was affordable. It was affordable in the eighties. It was affordable, crazy affordable. And I don't know, anyways, I'm just saying the things that we talk about here are meaningful to us, they are. And the comedy that we do is, it's a release for us. And doing the tours was invigorating and just uh, gave us such satisfaction in a whole nother way 
that we can't wait to continue to communicate to the world about issues that are important. And we can't wait to bring people together and celebrate people like Christian Smalls and celebrate people like Nick Brana, you know, that are have a mission and a focus. And we want to help you with that. You know, we're not, um, we want, we want to help, uh, we want to help America. We want to, you know, uh, you know, how do how are people afraid of calling attention to shitty politicians? How are people? How do people go? Well, don't be mean to them. Okay, you mean so that's children a no living no on word. that's a no children. no word. You can't say that. Yeah, and children living on the street isn't cruel. I mean, people have their have their heads on so inside upside down because I don't think those talking heads have ever been $400 away from an emergency. I do not think that. I don't think they worry about rent. I don't think they worry about healthcare. I don't think they worry about food on their table. I don't think they worry about their bank accounts because if they're in their twenties, they know mom and pop are gonna take care of them. If they're in their thirties and in their forties, they still know their mom and pop are taking care of them. Most of them, so, they don't know the struggle. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe because I came from a very modest background, I understand struggle. Yeah. So as far as I feel, there is a power structure, a, a power tug of war happening between independent thinkers and people who have been completely indoctrinated to protect the power structure. Yeah. That's so true. And that's why I think that having that independent media that is everyone is trying to so heavily censor right now is so important. So uh, I want to get in more into the People's Party. And it's perfect timing because another one of our guests has arrived. Yay. Everybody, please hey, uh... welcome the national coordinator and founder of the People's Party and friend of the show, Nick Brana. Welcome, Nick. How are you? Hey, Annalise. It's uh, good to chat with you and Steph and Chris. Uh, great family we have on here responding to the inauguration. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is great. I'm so excited to have you on, Nick, because um, this was actually around the time that I really wanted to start it to get into the People's Party. So um, you are the uh, founder of the Movement for a People's Party, which is now the People's Party. And Chris Smalls and I, as well as Jimmy Dore, are members of the Advisory Council. And so we all felt it was really important to create this new party and to give Americans that option. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the People's Party, what led us to get to this point, and then also talk about what the plans are moving forward? Yeah, for sure. And I think you see a reason, you know, why the People's Party is so necessary in Biden's inauguration speech, in everything that's happened today. What you saw today essentially was the Democratic Party and Biden doubling down on uh, zero analysis and zero introspection about why it is that people elected Trump in the first place. Why is it that people are so desperate that they stormed the Capitol? You know, in 2016, there was the Democratic Party didn't reconcile with that at all. It just dismissed, you know, uh, tens of millions of Americans essentially as racist, including millions who had voted for Obama previously, wrote them off. Uh, obviously there are racist factions among Trump supporters, 
but you can't dismiss everybody's motives in that way. There is, that is to dismiss the enormous suffering that exists in this country. And this is what Bernie Sanders himself, you know, said in, in, after 2016, um, from 2016 to 2020, is that, I mean, you have now uh, tens of millions of Americans who don't have health care, who are facing eviction, uh, who, were who were recently kicked off their employer-based health care, uh, who also... Um, are lacking any kind of care, you know, when, when they get older, that is, uh, that actually matches what they need, you know, social security not being enough. And so you have an enormous set of problems that is bearing down on people. And there's no acknowledgement of that from the Democratic Party. Instead, it's, it's completely written off people's suffering. And it's so much worse now after coronavirus and after the depression of uh, of, of 2020, that if the new, if Obama's neoliberalism in through, you know, from 2008 to 2016 gave us Trump, it produced Trump. Just imagine now people so much more desperate, you know, imagine what it's going to produce after Biden, who's more corporate than Obama and people being so much worse off. Imagine, imagine what that's going to produce in 2021, in 2024, I mean, um, in terms of what we're going to get. We are going to get a much worse fascist than Donald Trump. And so, you know, going back to 2017, we started, it was myself, it was a number of others from within the Bernie campaign, who my job on the Bernie campaign had been lobbying the superdelegates for Bernie. So I worked with the DNC members trying to get their support. Um, it was a miserable job, obviously. It meant it, it was essentially trying to convince lobbyists in the Democratic Party, of which the DNC is full of them, to support Bernie. Obviously, they had no interest in doing that because the DNC is effectively like a committee of corporations. Um, you have, you know, big pharma and you have uh, big oil, military industrial, the banks all represented on that committee through lobbyists. And so after that, um, I you know, I said, there's no way that this party can be reformed. And I joined up with a number of others from the Bernie campaign. And we started Draft Bernie for a People's Party, which became Movement for a People's Party. And then since then, we've grown to more than 150,000 members. Um, we held the People's Convention uh, in um, uh, last year in August, a week after the DNC and the Republican Convention. Uh, we had an amazing set of speakers like Dr. Cornell West. Uh, we had Jimmy Dore. Uh, uh, Marianne Williamson, Nina Turner, Danny Glover, so many amazing people who joined us at that. And we decided with a vote after that, after the People's Convention, by a 99% margin in favor that we were going to form a major new party in 2021 that was free of corporate money and influence. And that's exactly what we're doing now. We've registered in two states, Maine and Colorado. So we are well on our way. And that's a strategic thing that you're doing. Nick, can you just explain it to me, what you're doing as far as getting access and ballots and why that's so important? What, what does that strategy look like? We have to, in order to get on, uh, on the, to become a major party, you have to register in 50 states, uh, state parties. And that's a process of collecting thousands or uh, in some cases, tens of thousands of signatures in each state. 
Um, and that sounds daunting until you consider the fact that the Green Party with uh, a meager amount of resources annually is able to do that in virtually every state. And so, and the Libertarian Party is able, has been able to do it in 2016 and 2020 in every state. And so by getting that ballot access, it takes canvassing, it takes you know, organizing on the ground. That's what we need folks to do right now. You can join us and participate in that at peoplesparty.org and volunteer and join uh, uh, volunteers in your community, in your state, in your city to do that. But that's how we're gonna get ballot access. That's how we're gonna form the party. That's gonna give us the ballot line so that when you go into the ballot box, you see People's Party right there with Democratic and Republican Party, and you can vote for those candidates who you know are gonna support Medicare for all, a basic income, a, U, uh, uh, a Green New Deal, and everything else that we support as the People's Party. Our final platform is gonna be developed at the founding convention later this year. And I think something you mentioned once upon a time was each state pretty much has their own process for accessing a ballot. Is that true? So you have to kind of learn all the ins and outs for each state. They do, they do. Yep, because the American electoral system is an enormous mess, of course. You know, we should have, uh, uh, election day should be a national holiday. You know, we don't have that, it's on a random Tuesday. You know, um, we should be encouraging people to vote instead of suppressing the vote. You know, should bring back, you know, um, uh, uh, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, but it's, so this is similar to that is in each state, it's a different process. Um, but with our attorneys, you know, we have all of the processes. We know what all the processes are. We were joined, in fact, last month uh, by the chair of the Colorado Democratic uh, Progressives of Colorado, Progressive Democrats of Colorado, Mike McCorkle. He left the Democratic Party, a big defection from them joined us and he's now working with us and helping to plan out uh, ballot access. That is fantastic news. That is great. And I wanna ask you, Chris, so you've been through a lot when it comes to you know labor rights and work rights. And so joining the People's Party Advisory Council for you, you, you must've really had a need for a party that can truly represent workers and give them the rights that they need. So why don't you tell me what do workers need from a new party? Hello, everybody. My name is Graham Melwood and I am the police. <laughs> hey, Graham. Hey, Graham. Are you, Are you naked? Is that why we can't see you? Sorry about that. Sorry. I Everybody, before we get into Chris, Graham, L okay, so let's let's introduce you, Graham, since you just oh, burst in the scene. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry, Chris. There's this guy. <laughs> sorry, dude. Everybody, he's a comedian, political commentator, host of The Political Vigilante, co-host of Government Secrets with Lee Camp. He is uh, a regular on The Jimmy Dore Show. Uh, a potential 2022 congressional contender and owner of not one, but two vegan guns. Everybody welcome <laughs> Graham Elwood. <laughs> Boom. Here, get, get ready for this. People. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me here. Hi, I apologize. Uh, it's nice to see everybody. Uh, I had a dentist appointment um, that thanks to our great healthcare system, I just had to pay cash for. So that was exciting. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah. I uh, don't have dental insurance, so I just had to pay cash. They're very nice. They provide great service, but I had to go out of pocket on this uh, to the tune of 200 and some through 230 some dollars for x-rays. And I got to come back 
for another drop another hundred on a cleaning. So um, the system's why, working. Yeah, the system's system, working. <laughs> the system is totally working. It's great. Let's not be too mean on Joe Biden now that he's president. Everybody go easy. Um, <laughs> don't say mean things about the squad because in two years they have done so many tweets. Yes. It's a, it's a <laughs> Can Back you imagine? Can you imagine that none of the people in the Senate or the House or the White House have any plan for elder care? No plan. No. Elder care. They're all over the hill. They have zero plan for elder care. Yeah, they're all these ninety-somethings or whatever, however old they are, that are just a bunch octogenarians. Of octogenarians. Because <laughs> they're taking care of stuff. Yeah, they're not going to have to worry. You're going to get a nice pension. Yeah, yeah. A nice pension that keeps disappearing. So, all right. So we'll bring you in in a second to talk about, we've got a lot of interesting stuff we're talking about, Graham, but let me get to Chris first. So Chris, go ahead and tell us what, what does the labor movement in the United States need from the People's Party? Well, for one thing we need that we don't get from neither party right now, um, we need our voices to be heard, you know, and that's exactly what the People's Party uh, extends, you know, to the people. They they bring bring people on like myself that are activists that's doing work in the streets and connecting with workers, and they give us a platform to give us opportunity to tell our story, you know. So my story correlates with a lot of workers and what workers are going through in this country. And as essential workers, we need protections. We need a uh, a party that's going to get us protections, help us build our unions back. Um, and, and strengthen essential workers. If we're now essential workers, essential workers need, you know, we need contracts to protect ourselves. We have none. We have zero protection in this country. We've been exploited. Um, billionaires made uh, over a trillion dollars in the, in, during the pandemic that's still going on. We have no hazard pay. We have no PPE at these jobs and we're, we're expendable. So we need a party that's going to listen to that, listen to the fact that we're out here dying and suffering and we're not the, the heroes that people think we are. Our GED and 50 pound equivalent in my job description didn't say work during the pandemic and get sick and die. So we need a party that's going to actually put in some laws that's going to protect workers. And I think the People's Party is going to do that. You know, it's blatant what's going on. There's it's no way people could tell me they didn't see the shit that was going on last year and say that, you know, we got something better to look forward to because we don't. And um, I think I'm at that point where it don't take me that long. I'm a quick learner. As you can see, like I said before, I'm, I wasn't an activist before, nine months ago. And, you know, to see the progress that I'm, I've seen in the last nine months, I'm just trying to go in the right direction. And, and I think the People's Party is absolutely the right way. Yeah, I, I totally agree on that. And, and Graham, I want to bring you in on this. We were talking about this earlier, which is I'm sure you saw the CNN clip and, and how very concerned they are that independent YouTubers have a higher audience than CNN. Um, and how, you know, we must do something about that, like now. So cut that shit out. Um, so I just want to ask you, you know, um, how important is it to have a media infrastructure that is independent and a party that doesn't support censorship? Well, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I kind of like being censored. You know what I mean? I like unelected tech billionaires telling me what I can and can't. I, I don't know what the big, maybe I'm on the wrong Thank panel. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, 
you know, you bring up great points and, 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 and all of this ties together. So one of the reasons they don't want independent media is because they don't want people like Chris Smalls getting a voice to, uh, you know, radicalize other employees into starting unions. I mean, that's part of, they have to control the message across the board, not just labor. They don't want us talking about any anti-war message, you know. Oh, so, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Don't say anti-war. <laughs> no, no word. No, no word. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and you're seeing, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's troublesome too, because obviously the events that happened at the Capitol two weeks ago, that's, that's, a, that's serious. You had white nationalists with guns and, you know, neo-Nazi paraphernalia taking over the Capitol. That's a legitimate thing that needs to be investigated. That needs, those people need to be prosecuted, but they're going to use that. My fear is that they're going to use that for just sweeping, you know, Patriot Act 2.0. And now, if everyone's a domestic terrorist, the Sunrise Movement could be a domestic terrorist. Chris Smalls could be considered a domestic terrorist because he, you know, is is threatening uh, Jeff Bezos's, you know, two hundred plus billion dollars. So we need now more than ever a free and independent media. So because it, it just it just, you know, I, I I'd love to know how many how many big corporate media outlets have had Chris on to tell his story, and right. even if they did. I'm sure they followed it like, well, we'll get both sides of it. And then they cut to an Amazon commercial and then cut back with some corporate guy saying, well, blah, 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 you know? So it's like, that would be funny. They bring him on and then have an Amazon commercial. I'm sure they would. Oh, they have. They definitely have. I've seen. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you now. I haven't been on CNN and I haven't been on every major media you could think of. And they still have their hands right in back Jeff Bezos' pocket. So, yeah, like so you said. Yeah, how, how can it be free? And so what what we need and another reason why the People's Party to me is so important is it, it's, it's not taking any it's not taking any corporate money. And there's no it's why like it's I think it's kind of it's, it's funny. This is all sort of happening at the same time. I was just involved in this in this new talk liberation, the Panquake, this new social media platform that Susie Dawson is helping put together along with Bill Binney, right? So one of the smartest people on the face of the earth, he's a cryptographer and Susie and them made it, they're like, we're not, we don't want advertisers on this social media platform because it corrupts it in the same way it corrupts CNN, who is not going to give a fair shake on because they, they're getting ad money from Amazon. They're getting ad money from Boeing and Raytheon and Pfizer and whatever else. So you just can't take a penny of corporate money. You can't. And so the, the fact that the People's Party is not doing that uh, and that the actual people will decide who runs the party, it's not going to be done behind closed doors. So we can have, because a democracy needs debates it needs discussions it need debate debates are a fine thing it's a it's a healthy debate but when it's so stacked to these these oligarchs and these massive corporations it's not a fair debate you know it's not fair that there's people making ten dollars an hour for amazon and they it's not a fair de debate when they've got billions of dollars and they control the messaging i mean you know so it, it's it's we're at a critical time right now and um because we need more union labor. We need more free media. We need Medicare for all. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic and we still can't get free healthcare like they've had in Europe for 70 years. It's preposterous. Now, to me. Joe Biden could do an executive order though. 
Joe yeah. Biden could do an executive yeah. order to give the the uh, to help everybody. He could do an executive order, and he doesn't need any kind of bipartisan, right? He doesn't need that, right? That's right. It was actually done in Libby, Montana, as part of the ACA in 2010. Um, there is so the the one place in the United States, uh, a town, a small town of about 3,000 people. Um, has Medicare for all. Every citizen has Medicare for all. It was in response to an environmental uh, catastrophe. Um, and, uh, and and Senator Max Baucus included it in the ACA, a provision to, uh, it's in the Social Security Act uh, to be able to extend it. Uh, section It's called Section 1881A. And so Joe Biden could Today, he's signing these executive orders. He could today extend Medicare for all to every American in the country using coronavirus as the environmental disaster that is that has struck the country right now. And every single day that he doesn't do that, he is consigning millions of people, condemning them to enormous suffering in the only country in the world that doesn't guarantee healthcare as a human right. And every day I will go further that the progressives in Congress do not demand that he does that, then they are participating in that as well. They need to build that demand because he doesn't need Congress. He doesn't need the corporatists, the blue dogs that they're gonna point to, that they're gonna say, oh, they're the obstruction, the reason we can't get Medicare for all. You don't need any of those people. Joe Biden himself can expand Medicare for all to every American in the country. And it is incumbent upon every progressive in Congress to demand that he does that. Force the executive action. I wanna jump in really quick on this, Nick, because as, you, as we all know, okay, we all here supported force the vote. Um, and I want to touch on Ryan Grimm and the slanderous attack that he threw at the People's Party. And I want, Nick, you to answer this first, and then you guys can jump in and let us know how you feel about it. Um, I was, I, it pissed me off so much, I had to do an unscheduled episode of the Annalise show just to say, listen, you <laughs> douchebag, because I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. And it's like, first of all, the fact that he called um the force the vote he called it the force the vote thing which maybe it's just me but to me that was so dismissive and that was just so rude and then he's talking about how we were plotting like like in a nefarious way to make people believe that democrats are sellouts when that's actually a fact and i had to be like do you mean exposing is that the word you're you're looking for exposing that they're sellouts like we're not trying to convince people we're exposing that they're sellouts so um, I just thought that that attack directed at the People's Party was really weird, made no sense. And it, I just feel like people are being exposed as not who they say they are. So why don't you tell us about um, what the People's Party uh, thinks about that attack? I mean, of all of the things that Ryan Grimm could be doing, you know, <laughs> I mean, he does some good reporting and of all of the things he could be doing, to, to, to just continuously go out of his way to attack people who are organizing for Medicare for all in the United States as like, as, as if that's some kind of nefarious plot. Like this is the kind of thing that you would, I mean, forget liberals. It's the kind of thing you'd hear conservatives say. And so, you know, that Ryan Grimm, unfortunately, his new, you know, his new job seems to be 
convincing people that fighting for Medicare for all is somehow the wrong thing to do uh, <laughs> after you have the Democrats having taken the how both houses of Congress and the presidency and this being in a context of us having been told for a year or more by Bernie Sanders and progressives, you know what, just kind of, you know, bite your tongue right now during the election, before the election, before November, vote for Joe Biden, elect him, and then we'll push him left. Well, guess what? Here we are. And now the people who are trying to push him left with, for example, force the vote or by putting pressure on Biden to single-handedly pass Medicare for all with executive action, you know, now we have Ryan Grimm attacking us for pushing for that. And I find that reprehensible um, that he would do that. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you saw from liberals uh, when they would attack Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely true. It was, it was just, it was upsetting to see it because First of all, and, and I know I'm stuck on this, the thing stuff, but it like, that's how it came across to me, this force the vote thing. It's like, well, we got almost 50,000 signatures in just a couple of weeks for the thing. And over a hundred thousand people tuned into the town hall for the thing. And, you know, none of these reps could even be bothered to show up, let alone respond to our request. Then it's like, you know, I understand that these progressives don't take corporate money, but if you're voting the same way as the people who do because you're scared to lose your job, what difference does it make? Intentions stop mattering when you start voting and aligning yourself with the corporatists. So, I mean, what is the People's Party going to do to ensure that whatever candidate they run for president in 2024 is number one, actually willing to fight and not just talking a good game. And number two, actually willing to stand up for our rights, including saying, even if I don't agree with this person, they have a right to free speech. In the Democratic Party, the platform is a joke. Like we all know it, you know, um, they don't adhere to it whatsoever. In fact, in 2016, in 2017, a year after passing the platform um, at the 2016 convention, the Democrats came out with basically a new platform. It was called like the a better deal. <laughs> Remember that? And they just basically ignored the other platform passed by their own delegates. And so that has to change. You know, in the People's Party, can our candidates will be accountable to the platform. They will be accountable to the party and the membership of the party to actually represent those interests. The other thing, importantly is that as Graham said, you know, they will not be taking corporate money. They will have no ties to corporate lobbyists. They will have no golden parachutes waiting for them from, you know, on Wall Street when they retire. They will not come from industry. There will be no, you know, uh, we're not having the revolving door. We're not dealing with that for either party leaders or for elected officials. That's all ending, you know, and they also won't be accountable to all of the incentives that progressives and every member of Congress faces and elected official faces in the Democratic Party. These are all of the institutional pressures that lead progressives who even agree with the policies like AOC to not act on their best strategic opportunities to enact things like Medicare for all during force the vote. And so these are things like 
being accountable to Nan you know, Nancy Pelosi, having to answer to party leadership, uh, having to support uh, blue dog Democrats in swing districts, essentially, you know, and watering down your policies that way, having to uh, support neoliberals in order to get, you know, or befriend the party establishment in order to get committee assignments that you want, in order to not be primaried uh, by the DCCC. You know, you're not going to be concerned about all of these things in the People's Party because there's all these structural mechanisms that we've seen year after year, decade after decade that when you get into the Democratic Party, they immediately start moderating you. They immediately start reeling you into the party establishment. And we've seen that happen, unfortunately, with a number of the progressives that have been elected. And those structural mechanisms and, and incentives, that incentive structure that leads people to do that will not exist in the, Democrat, in, in the People's Party, essentially. The, they're gonna be accountable, elected officials are gonna be accountable to the party itself and the members. That's awesome. Um, Steph, I want to ask you because I know that um, before I, you I go, gotta take off, it's three o'clock. Ah, oh, I gotta go. No What's the last question? On. Huh? Okay. What was the last question? My last question was I know the Jimmy Dore show has been a longtime proponent of a general strike. Um, do you think now is the time to do that? I think now's the time to organize it. I think. I think there's organizations that are in lockstep with that. I think that whatever the Jimmy Dore show, I'm sure everybody here on the show, would, however we can uh, get the word out on these uh, events that are taking place, you know, um, we certainly want to continue to support it. And I just, um, I hope they listen to these general strikes because this is the beginning, you know, we're already, we already saw what can happen yeah. with chaos. And I think these general strikes are meaningful. And we, we you know, we're gonna cover a story today um, about a strike that's happening in New York right now and um, that they uh, have offered the, the workers 37 cents where the workers are asking for a dollar of an increase. That's what they want, a dollar. And they risk their lives to continue to work during this. They, they took cuts, you know, they, uh, their whole families are vulnerable to this. So we have this whole force of workers out there that are constantly putting their lives on the line just to go to work so they can provide for their family. That's not the America, that is not the country we are supposed to be. We are a country of great innovation. We're a country of great thinkers and critical thinkers and leaders and a lot of people with great heart and passion. And I think the collective is coming together and that's dangerous to the power structure because people are uniting and it doesn't matter. I don't look at my neighbor who's struggling and go, I wonder what color their skin is. Right. You know, I wonder what their, I wonder what their, um, I wonder what their uh, party affiliation is. No, when I people when I see people struggle, I want to help those people. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care about what religion you are. I care about helping you. So I think yes. How we can help them? Oh, my team is calling me. No worries. Thank you so Bye. much. Shoot. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. People's party. Thank you. Bye, All Steph. right, everybody. Bye. Uh, Bye.